0: Oh
1: We certainly are excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight and to be able to open the word and, and be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's bar head for a word of prayer before we turn in the word of God. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you tonight that we are gathering your name, Lord. And Lord, in this special time, in this hour, Lord, this challenge is so great ahead of us, Lord. You have equipped us, Lord. You have given us tool and inspiration and leadership, Lord. And may you help us tonight as we dive into your word and into your counsel, that may you may use me, Lord Jesus, as I try to convey this thought and inspiration to the young people. May they have their heart open to receive counsel and advice from you, Lord, because you have the key to overcome this age, this evil age, Lord. And may, Lord, you bound every spirit tonight. And may your Holy Spirit be free to speak, to move upon every heart, every role, every young person, Lord, without exception, those who are streaming, Lord. And may, because we know, Lord, that your word does not return to you without having service purpose, Lord. And we have faith tonight that we can speak your word, and it will have an effect. It will help. It will water. It will edify we want to thank you, Lord. Bless your word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. So as introduction of my good friend, Brother Ed. So I want to thank him for the invitation. And it it's certainly a, certainly a joy to be back. It's been, uh, I'm sure, for you and for myself, it's been two years difficult. We thought at one point we would never travel. And so the Lord has been gracious. We're a able to travel again and to minister and to meet friends and to share the word. And so as our brother said, uh, we want to speak on relationship tonight, especially on, on courtship and maybe uh, uh, have a focus on the seasons of life. And so for that, we're going to, first scriptures, we're going to turn in First Thessalonians chapter 4. And so my wife Esther is with me for this, uh, this weekend. And so Mary also came, uh, came along. Uh, We can uh, bring the PowerPoint up if it's um, available. All right, so you uh, probably met uh, three of my daughters who were here, spent almost all the summer here, so Mary, Lori, and Ilian, and so also we have our older son, uh, William, and our youngest, uh, Abigail, so we kind of have a youth camp all year long, (laughs) and so we, uh, we like young people. Our house is full of young people. We're uh, taking care also of our, of our young people back home. Also doing a youth camp and preaching youth camp. Also several places uh, where we've been invited. Because we have young people really at heart. And as our brother said, you know, being raised in church, raised in the message. My wife too. Uh, we know. We know the battle. We've been sitting in. Been in your shoes for a while. And uh, the battle that we have to face And I would say things that I would have liked to know. A lot of things I would have liked to know at your age, if only I knew. And so, don't take it uh, tonight as coming from an old man (laughs) or an adult who doesn't understand, who have no clue. Uh, We know a little bit of what, even though some of the things has changed, you know, technology, social media, a lot of things has changed, but the fundamentals are the same, the principles are the same, and so we want to speak on courtship and especially the godly and honorable approach to marriage, so we won't speak about engagement, neither about uh, marriage, but we want to speak about seasons of life, and the first scripture we're going to read is First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 4. If you're there, say amen. amen. For ye know what commandments we gave you by... Uh, no, that's not right. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and honor. Amen. May the Lord have the blessing upon his word. We, You can be seated. Right away, we have a word here, uh, which is uh, fornication, and um, that word means, in Greek, is porneia. And so, if you know, in this modern age, we hear a lot about you know it's it's been it's it's a culture of 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 perversion. It's accessible. It used to be something hidden. Uh, you know, it's, you had to go places, and it's. But now it, it's it's accessible right. everywhere. And for those who are wondering if if even you know, porn is, is in the scripture, it's there. It's called fornication. And fornication is everything that is illicit sexual. It's a, it's every sort of every sort of perversion. And we're reaching in in, in in Satan's Eden. We're reaching a climax where you see all kind of perversion, and it's a, it's 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 overpassing everything we've seen so far. And you know the devil would like to tell you that it's not possible to overcome this age because it's it is there's so many temptation. It is so easy to fall into so many traps. But I've got good news for you tonight. There's a prophecy saying that there will be a people who will overcome Laodicea. And if it's not me, someone will overcome Laodicea, because as you know, when the the, 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 the devil comes like a flood, the Lord raised the standard even higher. So there's greater perversion, but there's a greater strength available. There's a greater perversion. There's greater holiness. We don't have to follow the world and follow from far, but degrading ourselves at a distance. We don't have to do that. We can be the same Christian than the first church. I believe that firmly in my heart, that there's a, keep, there's a keeping power that can keep a, a young man and a young lady clean and pure, not with the law, but by the true desire given by God that this is what we desire, this is what we want, and we make choices accordingly. Amen? And so that will be all about preaching. Now we're going to try to teach. Amen. So... I'll do a little bit of reading to um, lay a foundation. In an age like ours, boy-girl relationships are a huge challenge, and the ability to stay on a straight and narrow is impossible without being based on solid biblical principles. I'm not your pastor. This is taken from a booklet I did for my young people. But as, as a minister... I desire to pass these principles onto you, and if it properly apply, they will enable you to build your marriage on a solid foundation. Amen. Don't be mistaken. You're already right now, by the choices you're making right now and the lifestyle you're having being single, you're already building your marriage. That's right. yeah. It's already started. That's why Brother Ed said, and rightly so, Ah, courtship, you know, I'm not there in my life. The choices and the habit you're doing and having right now will determine the habit because marriage won't change you. It doesn't change you. You remain the same person with the same habit, the same place where you go for comfort. Amen? So you want to be, you know, sometimes we want to think of ourselves, you know, I, I would like to be a good husband, I'd like to be a good wife, if you're single, and I guess you are, if you're here, it's time to prepare. Let me read a quote. The prophet says in the message countdown, he says, We take, for instance, the marriage for union. We found out that the marriage, we find the courtship and the agreements, which is the engagement, and then the marriage. That should settle it, should settle it, settle it for all time. Now, that's the same thing it is with Christ and the church, the courtship. God calling to our hearts, we surrender the marriage ceremony, and the bride takes the bridegroom's name. Now, turn with me in uh, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. I hope you brought brought your Bible with you. That's your sword. We want to keep it sharp. Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1. It's going to be our theme tonight talking about seasons seasons of life. After Proverbs. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So the Lord says to everything... There is a season. A season means there is a time for everything. It means that there's a time for you that it's not the time for you to enter into those those things. And we live in a time right now when they want to confuse everything. They want to confuse gender. They want to confuse seasons of life. You hear that often. Why? You know, well, you know, those young people, they don't have to wait, you know, you know, to have, you know, sexual intimacy. They don't have to wait for marriage. You know, they'll do it, you know, anyway. At one point they're going to get there. Might as well get it now. Well, might as well, you know, might as well test, test, test it, taste it. Might as well. And so they want to confuse everything because it's the age of total confusion. Right. And when we try to apply biblical principle, principles and, 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 and apply things in the right season, then we're called legalists. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I want to give you a thought. The Bible is not there to block you from doing things. It's trying to protect you. It doesn't try to forbid you. It's trying to protect you. And when we see God's Word as a protection, then you're not under law anymore. Because we understand there's a purpose. God loves us. God cares for us. And God wants you to prosper. And this age of confusion will just bring ruins and, and will destroy your life. And you just have to look outside. If, for those who go to school, you see, you know, all your friends, most of your friends, their parents are divorced. Their home is broken. And now they want to teach us how we should do things. The people in the world right now, they're not in any position to give lessons to nobody. Because the they're, they're, most lives are mess. They're depressed. They're anxious. They are suicidal. Their home is broken. And now they want to laugh at you? They, they're in no position to laugh about you going to church and you trying to stay holy? Without being arrogant, you should tell them, look at yourself. Look at yourself. You know what I'm talking about. My kids go to school. They tell me horrible stories. And it's not like, an ex- it used to be an exception. Like when I was going to school, most, most family, the parents were still together. Now it's, it's an exception. Because there's such a destruction where we've allowed everything. Yeah. And there's a price to pay. And if we don't want to pay the same price, we want to accept God's advice, God's counsel. Amen. So there's a season for everything. And I'm going to lay out four seasons in front of you. So the first season is what we, I'm going to call general friendship. Right. General friendship is your friends with everybody. Right. And, a, and a boy... Won't won't single out a girl or a girl won't single out a a, a boy. They're gonna you're gonna stay general. You're single. <laughs> the next step is when you enter in courtship, and already when you're in the courtship season, you're in you're a couple already. You're not married, you're not engaged, but you're focusing on one boy, on one girl. Then you know if things go good and there's a there's a fit, and both of you are happy, and, and, and you see the Lord's blessing it. Then you move on to the next season, which is engagement. And now you're getting ready to, you know, getting the marriage, the wedding, and all that together. And you're still a couple. And, of course, after that, you enter into marriage. Right. I just lay, that, lay there your life. That's your life. I mean, after that, unless, you know, someone passed away, but, you know, you're young enough, you should, uh, that should be your, your path and the Lord willing to rapture. Amen. So I want you to notice something here. The only time in your life where you're going to be alone, single, is now. Right. And sometimes, you know, as young people, you, we think, you know, being single is, is boring and we all oh, if I only couldn't get married, and if only someone could love me, and this and that. And but you know what? Being being in a relationship brings doesn't just bring joys, it brings worries. That's right. You gotta live for the other one, you gotta think about the other one. The, and so right now most of you are in the season of what we call a season of singleness. Right. That's right. The Bible says. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's talking a bit between the difference between being married and being single. And there's a difference. And even, if, even in your spiritual life, it's going to change. The Bible says your spiritual life's going to change. Right. But I would have you without carefulness. So Paul said, I would like you know, for you to have no worries. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord. Amen. How he may please the Lord. There's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Now, if you think that you're going to be spiritual and serious about things of God when you get married, you're lying to yourself. If being single, you have no time for God... No time to dedicate your life to the Lord. And think about the things of the Lord. And he says, when I'll get serious when I get married. The Bible says it's the contrary. Marriage will bring, you know, the house, the car, this and that. And the wife wants you to fix this. And and, and this is leaking. And that is not working. And then the baby's crying. And then you got to go to work. and, And mom is tired. And it's like, wow, I wish I could be single to have time to pray and have time to worship. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That's right. Good. amen it's the time right now yep. well i don't have time well this is one thing you should learn before getting married how do you manage time That's right. time is something god has given us right. and if we if we think we're so busy single well you're gonna know what's being busy when you get married One thing I forgot to say is um, the, the, the quote I read here is, is outlining, gives an outline of the steps here and the seasons. And those seasons, right now, you almost, you have to be a Christian. In 2022, you have to be a Christian to follow those guidelines. But it used to be a time before the 1950s, it was common sense. There was no dating. There was no flirting. You wanted to talk to a lady, you had to go see the... You were not fooling around. There was principles. It was common sense. I don't say that the whole society was... Everybody was perfect, but I mean, common sense people they expected, Christian or not Christian, they expected you to follow some principles because it was common sense. People had their right mind. But 2022, the society lost their mind. And to have common sense these days, you have to be a Christian, almost. As you can see from the quote above, courtship precedes marriage. It has a specific purpose to pray and spend time together to see if it's God's will to be married. If you're not of age or prepared for marriage, then you are in a different season of life. Why play around with feelings and try to form close relationships if you're not ready? It's like going shopping without any money. This is the reason exploring all the joys of living and overcoming single life for the Lord. It's a time to learn to bring your passions under His Lordship. Amen. So one of the trick of the devil he wants you to do, there are certain behaviors that pertain to every season. Certain habits, certain things you do. Certain things you don't do if you're in this season versus that season. And so what's, what the devil wants to do is to bring behavior... And to import them from the next season. That's right, yeah. I'll give you an example. It's like, you know, a, a, a man, you know, a father, he, he's, he's in the bathroom and, he, and he's shaving. And his young son, like he's five years old, four years old, he's looking at his dad and he wants to do like his dad. And so once his dad leaves the bathroom, he, he takes the, the razor, the blade, and he, he, he tries to shave. And he cuts himself. And then now his face is bleeding. But at one point, this young guy, this young boy, four or five years old, one day he's going to use that and he's going to shave. That's right. But if you bring something that it's, it's, it's going to be a blessing later on in his life, if you try to bring that too early in his life, what could be a blessing at one point is now a curse and it hurting him. So you're getting hurt. So it's not about you're not allowed to shave when you're four. It's that if you're doing it, you're going to cut your face and you're going to bleed. And if you do it deep enough, you're going to have scars all the rest of your life. What happened to your face? Well, when I was four, I tried to do like my dad and I cut my face. That's what they try to say in school. Why wait until the marriage to have intimacy? Why, you know, just, you know, go try a girl to try a boy. You see if you like him, you know, and this and that. And, and, you know, you're going to do it one day or the other. What's the difference? There is a difference. There is a difference. Because when you keep behavior in the right season, there is no guilt attached to it. There is joy in your heart. There's a sense inside of your heart you're doing what you're supposed to do in the right season. And there's a blessing that comes with it. Brother Branham encouraged boy-boy and girl-girl friendships unless they are in courtship. Not dating, courtship. Friendships with the opposite sex should remain general without standing out more for one person than another. Because of natural attraction, one cannot develop a close, friendly connection with the opposite sex without one of the two becoming emotionally attached or falling into sexual temptations. Even a boy and girl who are determined to be just friends will sooner or later realize that the other was emotionally or sexually attracted to the other one—it's an impossible law to circumvent. That's right. It's, that is something that's been that's that's quite misunderstood. Uh, even the, the, these notes that I'm taking, I'm reading tonight, comes from a booklet I did with. Uh, from a lot of what I'm reading tonight comes from Brother Paul Lafontaine, uh, youth camp he did about courtship and some of mine. And I did a booklet which I gave to Brother Ed. Uh, And that booklet, we we studied back home with the young people and we sat in circle and I was reading and we had discussion. And I remember that part was a bit challenging for the young people. They were wondering why, why cannot become, like a boy cannot become close friend with a girl. Or a girl become really, really buddy, like really, really... A girl, really close friend with a boy. And as I said here, the problem is that one day, maybe not at start, and I've seen that often, and you know, when you have those, you know romance, book or TV show, we're supposed to be just friends. Yeah, I know, we promise each other, we just be friends, but I realize that. My heart was attached to you, and, and I know I told you I would never fall in love, but it always happened. It makes good stories when it's other people. But when it's your story, it's a nightmare. Because there's an attraction. There's a law. And so even the prophet is saying in message where... Um, The question's been asked, you know, what activities should be our preteen children anticipate, participate in? How should we go about helping them select their associates? Prophet says, keep them in Christian company as long as you possibly can. If it's a girl, keep her with Christian girls, Christian boys, vice versa. If she's old enough to go with a boy, see that she keeps with the right kind of boy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we see that even the prophet says, "You want to keep the girls with the girls, the boy with the boys." And with the modern age of texting and social media, there is no boundaries anymore. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, if we, if we, if 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 a boy always goes to a. Another uh, house where there's, there's, there's that sister and always in contact, the parents will notice and say, You know, is there something going on here? I, is there something you want to talk about, right? No, no, we're just friends. Yeah, well, maybe you can sit down and talk about that. But there's no boundaries with texting, it goes on notice. And what we have to be aware of is that, you know, sometimes we, we just think about, well, we don't touch, we, we don't cross the boundaries, but you got to think about your heart. There's something bigger that goes inside that, that meets the eye. And that is called an emotional connection. Yeah. Emotional connection is where you in, enter in contact with the opposite sex. And, and you start by exchanging, you know, small texts like, you know, when's the youth meeting or... Where does the youth gather? And then it becomes common. And that's a law. If the longer you go, the deeper the relationship goes. And at one point, you realize that you're attached to that other person. But there is no purpose and there's no vision. It's just casual. But even though if we don't put the name courtship on it, even if we think it's just casual, Something is going on. There's a connection. And so, if you want to see, we can do a a little, little test and to see how do I know if my relationship has gone beyond friendship. You know, you have youth activities, you're all together. If you want to get to know at first without being official, you want to get to know the sister, well, there's, there's youth activities. All the youth goes to play volleyball, you go. We're all together. And you get to talk to one, get to talk to the other. And so it's all together. You, you, we can fellowship in what we call. It's because, and I, and I left it on purpose for our topic, but, you know, for every, as we're going to go forward in, in the PowerPoint, we're in the season of God we call general friendship. We're, we are friends with everyone. That's right. We're friends with everyone. and But a brother don't single out a sister. To start to create a bond and a, an emotional connection without being serious. Because there is something in this modern age we call where we play with the emotion of other people. And what you don't know is while this guy is texting you and you think you're special, he's texting three other girls at the same time. And that you don't know. And the reason you don't know, it's because it's not official. It's not serious. It's just casual. And many, many Christian girls, many Christian boys fall into that trap of, well, what's the bad? Well, you'll, you're going to taste the bad of it if you don't make the thing because it's there to protect you. And I'm not talking about he's texting you to know, you know, when, when's the youth service. Obviously, he should know and maybe should ask others. But, you know, will you be there and, you know, casual? But, you know, and, and I remember our youth, when we studied that, you know, one sister said, well, what's the bad if I, if I text a brother? I said, I said, okay. I said, I'm going to give you an example. What do you think if I would text your mother? How do you do? Did you sleep well? What are you doing today? How was your day? She said, "No, no. Of course you cannot text my mother. You're married." And my answer to you tonight is, "Yeah, you're also. You have a uh, you have a, a, a husband waiting for you. You have a wife waiting for you. You know that your wife is already born. You know your husband's already born." He's out there somewhere, maybe in your church, maybe in another's church, but he's yours. And God knows who's your husband. So while you're texting that sister, you're texting somebody else's wife. Of course, it's not revealed yet, but she's going to be to one man... In her life, only one where she's gonna give her heart. So we oftentimes we talk about not give our body, you know, not touch, not kiss, not do that. But what about your heart? If you connect to a guy, he breaks your heart. Connect to that, he breaks your heart. Connect to that guy, he breaks your heart. That's what you're gonna bring into marriage: a broken heart where you don't trust no man anymore. Because you've been damaged by liars. And so those principles are there to protect you, but you, 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 don't, you don't want it all, uh, only to, to, bring, to come into marriage a virgin pure, but you also want to bring your emotion, right. your, your emotional heart in a good state, and that's as important. Of course, it's bad. If, you know if someone commit fornication before marriage, of course it's bad, it's obvious. But what about if you're what about if you're devastated inside of you? And also, sometimes there's a reason why we go, always go out there to have the attention of a boy, have the attention of the white of a, of, a, of a of a girl. Because sometimes in our home, and that's touch that's touchy, but it's it's the truth. Sometimes life as home is not good. There's no connection. There's no love. Our house is just judgment and laws, no love, no care. Right. That happens even in Christian homes. That's right. The father's busy over there, mama's busy over there. You're left on your own. Nobody care for you. Nobody noticed you. And then that boy comes along and say, "Well, you look nice today," and it feels so great. It's like, wow, somebody noticed me. So if you're not in a home, if you're not in a loving home, the prophet called a home where it's, it's indifferent and cold. Yeah, that's right. Christian home sometime, been around long enough, you can be raised, you can be raised in a Christian home that is cold. That's right. yeah. And when we're raised in a cold home, we're looking for warmth. That's right. So if someone comes along... A girl comes along, a boy comes along, and so you have to you have to ask yourself, and I don't want you to go home and attack your parents, and it's because of you and this and that. I'm giving you dangerous information. You gotta be mature to handle it. But you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, Lord, am I vulnerable? Am I vulnerable? If if somebody comes and compliment me. If somebody comes and says, I'm good looking, I'm, I'm good and that. And if somebody gives me value, will I fall for that? And then we enter into the flirting. We enter into seduction. And a lot of guys, they know the game. They know that you can conquer a woman by word. Like the bride of Christ has been conquered by the word. God has sent a lot of word to us. And that has attracted our heart. And so a lot of guys, they know that. They play the game. They compliment you. But actually, they are playing with your emotion. And if you're vulnerable, you don't notice the game. Because all you notice is the good feeling. But behind that good feeling, there's a liar. That's right. Amen. So how do I know if my relationship has gone beyond friendship? And I will ask you, give me... How would you determine... Talking about boys, girls, girls, boy, your relationship is supposed to be general with, with a boy with a girl it's supposed to be casual it's supposed to be you don't go personal and and, and, and constant with no you know boys with boys, girls with girls but do you have how would you determine I got I got a couple of, of them listed here, maybe someone wants to say one one characteristic of you went too far with the, with the girl or with a boy. What would happen? What are you doing? Hanging together alone. Hmm? Hanging together alone. Exactly. So that's one of the points I wrote. So you, you, you're being together alone. It's just a boy and a girl alone. So it's not general friendship. It's not part of a... I don't know, two, three families can come together. There's siblings and all. and it's, So you're focusing on one. So being together alone. That's one of them. Other? Constant communication. That's one. I, I have one that too. More? Other? Okay, so constant communication. The majority of text, message, and phone calls are directed almost exclusively exclusively, I'm French, to this friend, okay? So most text, phone calls, that do not even exist. I should remove that. Who calls these days? There's nothing worse than to see two people trying to fix a crisis, a problem, a conflict by texting. Have you ever noticed that you're trying to, to solve one conflict and as you're texting, you're creating more conflicts. Right. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Have you noticed? Hey, let's get it right. Yeah. It doesn't work. That's right. yeah. And the reason why it doesn't work, you know why it doesn't work? Is that when you read the text, you don't know the emotion of the person. So you're reading the text with your own emotion. So you're doing what we call projection. You're projecting. So if you're, if you're reading a quote and you're scared and you're angry, well, you you, you wrote, No, that's not what I said. I said, So you're basically reading your emotion. Courtship through texting doesn't work. You don't fall in love with the green bubble. Or a blue. Because it's a trap. Because you're waiting for that bubble to come, and you're reading and you're projecting. Courtship should be with a real voice, phone, in person. Okay, so majority of communication, and if you want, if if, and you really have to be honest with yourself to see, but if you know you want to know if you're emotionally attached to that boy, if. Do you expect the text? I hope he writes. If you're there and you're craving for him to write to you, you've gone too far. And then you have a decision. Well, that's going to be our next slide. Then you have the decision to take. Okay, I have to be honest. And that's the most part. That's the difficult part. Like girls, are like, no, I don't love him. No, I don't love him. No, 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 no. They never want to, you know, and, and, and guy, you know, no, nah, no, nah, nah, I don't care, you know. Did <laughs> she right? Now you gotta be honest. Am I emotionally involved? Where I need the attention of that boy, I need the attention of that girl. If you're in there, if you're in that situation, I got a news for you. You are connected. To that person. And already your heart, and it, it, it can be mutual or not. That's right. Some people fall in love with other person. They're already married, they have children, they built a house, but the girl's not even aware of that. Like, who are you? What's your name? Come on, we got married. We have children together. We built a house. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know, you weirdo. <laughs> All right. So, being together alone, as our brother said, that's one. That should be obvious. If you always end up being alone with that other person, okay, it's time to face the reality. Maybe it's time to call it something else. It's maybe time to move in the other season. I mean, if it, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. That's going to be the next slide. Okay. I've already said this. Feel more intense emotion towards this person. Your heartbeats go faster. You know, a youth gathering is boring when he's not there. He told me he would come while he's working. Oh, it's so boring. I thought I would have a fun night. Okay, so, all right. You're probably in love. Okay? Uh, Give uh, physical attention such as touching the other repeatedly. You know, you play volleyball and every time there's a good shot, (laughs) the high five is always to the same sister. (laughs) We have it. And it can be such a, you know, flirting game with that, you know? Come on, all right? Not born yesterday we got to be careful with that too. You know, saying I love you or order other intimate comments. I don't know what would life be if you, not, if you would not text me. Okay. Let's be honest. Something's going on. All right. <laughs> so what do we do? If, if we're in that situation... Do I have water? I have water. Thank you. So what are we doing? Do you get a spanking? Do you get, you know, kicked out of the church? No. We just have the first step. We have to be honest. I'm involved emotionally with that person. Can be mutual. Can not be. The worst nightmare is when you get deeply emotionally involved with someone and you realize he's texting two or three other person. Now, what do you do? Your heart's broken. And what do you learn from that? I cannot trust no guys. I cannot trust no girls. They're all liars. Then our level of trust, we lose our innocence. Where a relationship's supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to be fulfilling. It's supposed to be so, so much fun. And then our innocence goes, or our trust goes down and our suspicion goes high and then when the right guy comes along he's a liar you try to spy on him and, are you texting others what's your problem i'm not texting nobody oh i'm just checking and you enter into the right one the right relationship with fear in your heart because you've cheated and you wanted a pleasure. You want it in, in the wrong season. And so that's why those, those principles are protection. So when the right season comes, you can enjoy the season with a peace in your heart. It's a blessing when we do it the right way. Okay, so if your relationship with the other has some of these characteristics, you have started a relationship that goes beyond Friendship, or general friendship. So, it is time to react. Either by backing down if you consider that you are not serious, or that the other person is not the right one for you. If you are serious, old enough, and ready, you should consider taking the next step. Otherwise, you fall into the perverted phenomenon of dating. Now, if you're 13 years old and you just realize now that you're in a relationship, backing off is the only option you have tonight. But if you're older, then we're going to look at what's what's the next step, because you want to do it properly. And, And let me get ahead of myself just to give you an example. You know, sometimes these things about, you know, the boy should ask the father, looks like, you know, it's killing the party. It's killing all the... You know, it spooked the guy. I mean, it's horrible. He has to talk to my father. Is he that horrible person? (laughs) But you know what? When When you require that, you know what happened? All the guy was not serious, not mature enough, not able to have a conversation with an adult. They run away. And when they run away, blessed are you. When the guy doesn't have the courage to call your father. Because if you're not worth. I'm talking to you sister. But if you're not worth. That he has to call your father. Well, he doesn't value much. And calling calling the father is not a a fun moment for any young man. I've been there. I've been on both sides actually. I've been the young guy. I have to talk to the father. And now I'm a father where, you know, phone rings sometimes. Now I got both sides. And I, and I feel now when, if I have a phone call, a young man, my heart goes like, it's going to be good. I will, I will make that easy. <laughs> I remember the first time I talked to my father-in-law. And yes, he said yes, because she's there tonight. Let's give her a pen of applause. <laughs> I remember we went for a walk around the neighborhood, right? And of course, we talk about all kinds of things, but not the real thing. And we ended up finishing, you know, the long walk around the neighborhood, come back to the house, and I'm like, now what do? We, how do we extend this conversation? And we ended up sitting in a, in in the, in the backyard and in the shed, and and so and finally, I was able to ask, but it took a lot of courage. But you know what? Esther, worth it. It's a painful moment, but I loved her enough. I was ready. I was ready to face that. And that, it's it's a protection. It's a protection, and it's far more difficult than just to say, hello. What is dating? Proverbs uh, chapter 29 verse 18 says that, oh, okay, no, I will uh, read this definition and then we're going to read the scripture after. A relatively new phenomenon in history, dating as it's beginning in the 1950s. It was always courtship before that. Dating is asking a person to be your boyfriend, girlfriend, to be a couple until you get tired of them and move on. Dating is intimacy practiced before commitment. It can involve romantic talk, going out or being alone together, holding hands, hugging, sharing emotions, kissing, or even sexual relations. The Bible way teaches that intimacy comes after commitment. Dating encourages enjoying the benefits of intimacy before commitment are made. The word date comes from the word Mate. And so in biblical term, we could describe dating by a relationship without vision. And where there is no vision, my people or the people perish. Perish, it means you won't die physically. But you will perish. You will die inside. Because you'll get betrayed. You'll get played with. You'll get lied to. Because there's no commitment. It's like your girl saying, well, I gave myself to you. You were the first one. I thought I'd build my life to you. The guy says, I didn't promise you anything. What's wrong with you? I'm sleeping with three other girls at the same time. What do you think? What do you think I promised you? But it was all in the imagination. The girl was thinking. And imagination is a big trap. How do you make sure it's not your imagination? make the boy walk the right step, then you're sure he's serious. All right. So, dating is a relationship without a vision and true purpose. Courtship is a relationship with a purpose. What's the purpose? I might marry her. Now, courtship, you don't have to marry her. You're not obligated. It can end up like it didn't work. It's not the girl I thought she was. He's not the boy I thought. You know, no bad feelings, you know. But I I don't think it's going to work. You can back off from courtship. But when you enter courtship, you're not playing games. You're thinking, you're, 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 you're looking for if this is a possibility that we could spend our life together. So there's a vision. It's like you go to the store. You know, there's a lot... A lot of people these days, they go to the store, to have nothing, you know, their, their life is bored. You know, they're boring. So they go to the store, they don't have the money. So they go to the store for the feeling. They lust. They lust for things that they cannot afford. You go shopping, you don't have the money. If you want to enter into a relationship, but your life is not there yet, you're not ready to take the commitment, you're not ready to build a life. Don't move in the next season. Wait. Wait. Prepare yourself. And we're going to see if I have time, because time really flies quickly. But we're going to see how, how, how we prepare. We have to, before we move in that season of courtship, we have to sit down, the Bible says, and count. Can I afford the next step? Is my life a wreck? Do I invite a girl in my sinking ship? Is my boat afloat? Or am I sinking? Marriage doesn't fix a a messy spiritual life. Marriage doesn't fix a life filled with lust. A marriage doesn't fix a pornography problem. Because the fundamentals of lusting is wanting something that's not yours. So when you get married, she's yours, but lusting is wanting something that's not yours. So you still want something outside because the Bible says, never says, you know, thou shalt not lost your own car. Thou shalt not desire your own house. It's yours. It's always about the neighbor's car, the neighbor's house, the neighbor's stuff. It's always this, the basics of lusting is wanting something that you don't have so that's why marriage, some people think, you know, I got a, a, And it's never a sexual problem. It's a lost problem. And marriage doesn't fix it. Because the, the sexual problem comes from a lost problem. And lost is to desire stuff that doesn't belong to you. That's how that spirit feeds it. And if that spirit is in you, and our spirit is, 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 is whole, all over you... He's feeding on stuff that's not yours. Yeah. That is why you lost for something. You, I, I want that computer. I want that. I want that. You realize that when you get it, it's like, oh, yeah. finally there's not much to that. Because yeah. that spirit now kind of doesn't give you the satisfaction of having. It's what's next. That's why you got like out there in the world, they, they go from partner to partner. They sleep with this one, sleep with that one, because it's just that, that lasting spirit, it never stops. It never stops. There's no ending to that until you get free from that spirit. And if you have a lost problem, you have to address it. Before you involve anyone in your life, you have to ask for, for freedom, to be content. To be content with what the Lord gives you now. You know that before you move into a relationship, you should be happy? That's right. It looks really simple as a declaration. It's not really deep. But I'm asking you, those, those who, who are thinking about moving into a relationship, are you happy? No, the girl will make me happy. That's a lie. That's right. He's going to make me happy. That's a lie. Are you happy? Because the problem is you enter into a relationship looking for the, the other one to make you happy. And finally they don't succeed because that doesn't work. Then you get angry at them. You were supposed to change my life. You were supposed to make the difference. Bad news. If you're miserable inside, marriage doesn't fix that. A relationship doesn't fix that. And if you're looking for a relationship to be happy, you're lacking something. When I, was in the, I went in the world, I was 17. When I backslid, I, went, I came back to the Lord at 21. Those four years were crazy, so crazy. At one point, I repented because I said, Lord, my life's a mess. And I had sports. I had bars. I had girls. I had all I could afford. I had it. And I reached a point in my life where I knew that it was not about having more money. It was not about, you know, expanding or going further in that wrong direction. God convicted me in my heart that even more of the same thing would not fix it. I was not happy. And I turned back and I repented that night. And I said, Lord, it's been four years. I'm controlling my life and I'm going in circle. I'm going nowhere. Now I'm giving you the reins of my life. I'm giving you the control of my life. Take it. I can't handle it. I'm not happy. And from that night, I had a, a, a big problem with lost. I had a problem with pornography, with girls. I was deep into the world. And that's one of even one of the reasons I backslid to start with, because at 17, I could not overcome pornography. I could not overcome these things. And and the devil came in my mind and says, This Christian life's not for you. And maybe some of you are facing that right now, and the devil is playing with your mind, telling you that because you're fighting that, and you repent, and you co- go back, you fall back, and, and you, you fall in the same thing, and, and it, that, we get tired of that, that cycle of, of repenting, falling, repenting, falling, and the devil slowly making progress in your mind to, pr- to convince you that you're not a Christian, you're not born for that, you're not ordained for that, because you would have victory overnight. I mean, we're 20, 2022, I back I think, in 93. Pornography was there then. Less accessible, but the same spirit. But I never realized that God could deliver me. I was trying on my own. It was all my effort to stay clean. I have to stay clean. I have to stay clean. And I just couldn't do it. And I had to take a long journey of four years with many memories, many scars, which I, I, I wish every one of you avoid those four years of going around and making scars. To realize, because that night when I said, Lord, I give you my life. Take the rain, take the control. You know what happened? The lost, all those desires that left me. And I didn't, I didn't even notice it. Like it took me a couple of days to say, I didn't think about it. It's gone. It was not me trying anymore. It was just gone. God stepped in and delivered me. And from that, I stayed two years single. No more, you know, uh, parties, no more bars, no more girls. Going to church, studying the word. No TV. And I remember sitting in my rocking chair. I was living by myself. I was living in a house by myself, alone. Doing my dishes. I'd like to say cooking, but, you know, grilled cheese, we cannot call, like, cooking. So, <laughs> washing my, 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 my clothing and doing my own stuff. But I, I remember sitting on a Friday You know, Friday night, when you're in the world, Friday night's big. The party's on! The weekend is there. Now, let's call our friends. We're going to make something out of this week. Like, expectation on, on Friday night is so high. Everything can happen. It's the weekend. Now I give my life to the Lord and I, it's Friday night. I'm sitting in my rocking chair and I got no plan for the weekend. Not much friends. No plan for the weekend. I'm, just, I'm going to church on Sunday morning and that's all. And I'm sitting in my rocking chair with no plans, with no lust, with no desires. And I'm, and I'm at peace and I'm, I'm, I'm calm inside. And then I realize that's where the Lord wanted me. To reach that state of happiness, joy for the present moment. Right. With nothing. Really, I'm alone in this house. No plans. But happy inside. That's right. It took me years. The Lord brought me. I, I cannot. Don't look at me. It's not self-discipline. It's not something I made. It's not something I thought. It's not even something I built. But the Lord brought me to that state of the guy was running, he's lusting, and he wants everything, and he's trying, he's trying, trying to stay the guy sitting there That's right. and being content, Amen. Hallelujah. being content. That's right. And the Lord brought me there, and then after that, he started to, you know, trust me with calling in the ministry, one of his daughters, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now I got to move quickly. At what time did I start? I started 15 minutes ago, right? I'll find a way to close. So I'll have to jump over a lot, but it's, it doesn't matter because all my notes are in the booklet that you might receive one day. Everybody's doing good? Yeah. All right. I don't think I'm boring. You, you seem like you're listening. It's really fun. Okay. <laughs> all right. All um, right. I want to hit maybe a couple of more slides, and, and we're going to bring this to a close. Anyway, even if I finish early, you're going to go in the restaurant until midnight, right? No? Okay. Dating doesn't train young people for marriage. It prepares them for divorce. Dating typically involves a series of short-term relationships. I said that, and, and you're heartbroken, disappointed. and Those who end up with a... Those who end up with a solid marriage often have to deal with a lot of painful emotional baggage from previous dating relationship. A lot is said these days on abstaining from sex before marriage, but there's a great need for emotional abstinence, abstinence as well. So we often talk about you know, abstaining, staying away from sex and touching and this and that. But what about staying away from getting involved emotionally? For too many young people, getting involved emotionally is like a hobby. It's a hobby. They go to a certain camp. They start dating, texting this guy for a couple of months. They go, they get all, you know, because they actually, they don't fall in love with the guy. They fall in love with the feeling it gives them. It's like drug. You know a drug addict, when he takes substance, he, you know, what what is it with white powder? It's not the powder. It's the feeling. What is it with smoking? What is it with pot? What is it with that? It's the feeling. What is it with drinking? What is it with, you know, they, they, you know, they take a shot, it's strong, they're like, Pfft. it's horrible. But they're looking for the feeling. They're, they're, they're willing to destroy their life to get a little bit of feeling. And the same thing with relationship, with dating. So you go from feeling to feeling to feeling to feeling. But there's an end result at the end. You are damaged. Courtship in the context of the family enables young people to get to know each other and yet still maintain their physical and emotional integrity. Now I got a lot and I will skip all the fruits of dating because I don't have time. Okay? Okay. But all the fruits, what it brings, what's the consequence, what it does to you, skip, 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 skip. Skip. I got to skip a lot. Thank you. That's nice. (laughs) That's probably one of the first stories you heard in Sunday school, right? It's probably a song, you know, the fool of the house built his house on a rock. No, on the sand. And then the wise built his house on a rock. It makes a nice song, makes, you know, awesome Sunday school stories. But you never can go too far. You have to face this. So actually right now you are either building your house upon a rock or upon sand. And you have to notice that the same storm, Being a Christian, you don't avoid any storm. You face the same storm of life that is your neighbor. Same exact thing, same crisis. You don't, this scripture does not promise you a life without storm, but it promises you a good foundation where your house can withstand, your marriage will stand, if you're rooted solidly. So, and what is the rock? Is the word. Principles that we come like what I'm teaching tonight is based on scriptures. We extract from the scripture a vision, a principle. And we want to build our life upon that. Luke 14. You want to move into courtship? You want to move into relationship? Well, the Bible says that I said it earlier, you have to sit down first, and whether you know you have to count the cost. Because you're actually, you brothers, you are inviting a girl into your life. So what's your life? What do you invite her in? What do you propose? What's your game plan? You have to have a plan. The Bible says whatever you do, you have to have a plan. You have to have a vision. It's, dating is being someone for the feeling. Courtship is you have a vision. You're inviting a sister here into your vision. This is, it's not about you, knew, you know everything. You don't know everything. You don't have it all figured out. That's not what I'm saying. But you have a vision for what you know. You have a direction in your life. Okay? And of course, one other thing we didn't say, because it's obvious, and it, I, I'm sure it's repeated constantly, but you know, and I'm going to touch on that really quickly because we cannot go anywhere if if God is not first in our life. Actually, this is one of the first things we should talk about. But God has to be first. We have to delight ourselves in the Lord. And even the prophet says, if you have an experience with God. And Holy Spirit comes into your in your life in your heart. Prophet says the Holy Ghost first, and He'll tell you what husband to have, because He's a guide. When you have an experience with God and Holy Spirit is inside you, he will tell you, he will, he will reveal it to you. This is the right one. So you don't, have to, you, don't have, you don't have to evaluate how much he makes. Does he have good eyes? Is he strong? Is he that? Is he, he, these are all natural aspe- aspects that sometimes you can define in your mind, I want a guy, this, 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 that. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, suddenly God reveals that, no, it's this young man, and it's not what you thought, but he's, the, he's made for you. He's the right one for you. So if you don't have an experience with God, you're at lost. How do you base your choice? Right. At tall, good-looking, this, that. Do you, do you take the, the worldly standard of what is a guy, what, is, what we should expect of, of a girl? The Lord wants to reveal you because, as I said earlier, your husband is out there. Your wife is out there. And you know that you can start praying for her right now. I don't know if I'm right, but I suspect that there's, there's, you find someone, sometime, young people who end up being single all their life. And I'm wondering, where's the husband? Where is he? Did something happen to him? Even my wife, she had an experience with God when she was 12 years old. And when we got married or even engaged or in courtship, we started talking about certain crises in my life. And she was able to remember that during that same period, she was crying the Holy Spirit was on her and she was interceding for her husband. And that was me. You can start. You're single? Well, that's later, that's later. She's alive. She's out there. He's out there. Pray for him. Pray for her. Lord, build him right. Make him a solid man of God. I pray, Lord, that he's not fooling around, Lord. Keep him. I'm praying, Lord, that he doesn't come in my marriage full of scars and a, and a wreck. You know, that some, you know, they come back from the world. They're, they're called. They're elected. They're seed of God. But they come in and they are so damaged That's right. that it takes years to build a normal household. That's right. yeah. Another reason why you want him to have an experience of, with the Lord is that With no experience of God, he'll make hell hell on earth for her until that gentle, sweet, forgiven spirit of Christ comes in. Without the Holy Ghost, you'll have a tormented husband. Without the Holy Ghost, you'll have a tormented wife that will be be pushed on one side because the Holy Ghost is an anchor. When the life is like this and like that and like this, if there's no anchor, she's getting crazy. I'm about to lose my mind and she runs back to her parents or if worse, she runs in the world. We've seen it. We've been we've been around long enough. There is horrible stories and there is marvelous. There's super nice stories. But the Holy Ghost is an anchor. Don't just look at the blue eyes or the the good looking. We're here to look for character. We move in courtship and I'm about to close. If you want to move in that next direction maybe tonight you realize oh my goodness i'm involved emotionally i didn't know that and you're at that right age and you know it's mutual but you've been you know playing around it's time to be serious at this stage parents must be consulted parents on both sides has to agree because there's what we call spiritual headship i think brother head you said you touch on that spiritual headship headship is super important the girl you're talking to spiritually, biblically, she's spiritually under our father. That's why you have to talk to him. We don't believe in marriage where the father's going to decide, no, you don't marry this one and force marriage and this and that. If, 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 if the father is a good head, there's, there's a good relationship with his daughter. They talk, they, they share their heart, and he, he wants the best for it. And, and so there's, there's such a fellowship. They're, they can be... Horrible dictatorship, and they can be healthy spiritual headship. And sometimes it happens. You can be a Christian homes, home, and your sister doesn't have a relationship with your father. It's, it's, there's, there's no connection. It's really difficult. That puts a lot of pressure on you, but you can pray for your father. Lord, help my father. I need him. Lord, help my, my parents. I need them. That's why the Bible says, you know, and I preached on that a couple of years ago. You know, the man shall leave his father and mother and then cling to his wife. So there's been a connection here, and you move to another connection. And so that, important, that, that, that step is a crucial and uh, important and serious step. Never undertake this step alone. It is advisable also to include the pastor in this process because he can advise you and make sure to avoid pitfalls. He will also be able to give you tools and means to get to know yourself in depth. You can ask your parents, do you think I'm ready? Uh, I have in my heart to talk to this sister, to talk to the parents, to the father. You sit with your parents. How do you see me? Do you think I'm ready? You can talk to your pastor. You see me in church. You see How how do you see me? Do you think I'm ready for the next season? And and if you think I'm not, what do you think is lacking? Don't be afraid. We don't want to run away from the truth. If you trust your pastor, he won't say, Foolish thing, he's gonna be, he's gonna take that at heart. Your parents might say, You're a good young man, but you know, this and that. I think you know, you should, you should fix this before you move in and you bring that into your marriage. And when the wrong spirit is behind a relationship, you run away. If, if a young man try to pull you away from your parents, red alarm, red flag. A lot of tactics of the devil, and even from guys, oh, don't talk to your parents. They don't know, like, they don't understand me. They judge me right away when I talk to you. They, your parents hate me, and, and that's why. And, and if you, I go to talk, they're going to reach, and, and they try to manipulate you and, and, and bring you further from the headship of your parents. It happened often. That's a trap, that's a sign. A bad guy, you know what he's going to do? He's going to play the victim. Nobody loves me, and I, oh, I know if I talk to your parents, they, they, will, they won't, and so you shouldn't talk to them, and if they know, and they, they want to do everything in secrecy, and, and I've been rejected it all my life, and, and he's trying to reel you in, his, in, in into his drama. And a girl, is always, she wants to save the guy. Oh, I understand him. We have a special thing together. Nobody understands him. The church hates him. The pastor doesn't like him. My parents despise him, but I love him because I I understand him and I will save him. How many bad marriage because she wanted to save him? You should tell him, fix your life. Maybe we talk later. I cannot help you. It's not you, sisters, you don't have to fix your husband before you get married. It's don't take it upon yourself. Okay, I'm trying to close. Skipping this, skipping that. Okay, that's important. What is courtship? Well, first, courtship is about building a... Friendship. You build a friendship with the person in whom you are interested, it progresses more slowly. And I enlightened the word slowly. You don't run into courtship. Courtship, you don't do it running. Because if you're running, you don't thinking. You're going by instinct. You're not thinking straight. It has to go slowly. Slowly. Slowly is a great test because it tests the patience of on both sides. Can he wait? Can he suffer? Can she suffer? Because this is a life decision, and because we're Christians, we know if what the commitment we take cannot be undo. So we want to make sure it's the right person. And the slowness makes you develop deeper and stronger roots and eliminate potentially dangerous, toxic, or wrong people for you. It looks to character and not just appearance. It seeks a real relationship without pretension or games. Courtship differs from dating, and it seeks closeness, true friendship first, whereas dating seeks a contest and competition. Courting is an open and honest exploration of each other's lives, personalities, faults, desires, goals, and families that build and grow towards engagement and then marriage. Courtship is about seeking a mate for marriage. So you court in order to see if it's it's the right person for you and if there is any reason for you, should not get married. The only reason why you want to go fast is you're afraid to lose that, the other person. And if your relationship is based on fear, restart over again. Your, fund, your foundation is not good. i got to rush this because she's going to change her mind. Red flag. Courtship is mostly done around family. It welcomes the input of good counsel. It develops and keeps an honorable and respectful treatment of the person being courted, just in case it doesn't result in a marriage. The person is ready to enter a commitment if it shows to be God's will. So when you're a courtship, you got to be careful. You don't make any commitment. Sometimes you get, oh, so romantic, and then, oh, you know, we're going to spend our life together. Don't say that. That's a Commitment. Commitment is extremely important. The Bible says the vows that comes from your mouth, you have to do. Don't talk about uh, commitment and uh, uh, we always be there for you. That's a nice song, yeah? Huh? Always be there for you. That's a promise you just made. Don't say that. That's a commitment. There's a season for a commitment. So, as you see, there's always the temptation to make a move. That's the next season. Because it's spectacular. It's it's out of the ordinary. It's it's, it's because we want to bring new stuff in our relationship. But you gotta be careful. I'm about to say this. Is this pertaining to the next season? I'm about to do this, I'm about to make that move. Is this and am, am I the right season? Well, it makes a good evening. Don't go for feelings. Don't go for feelings. Amen. So courtship is also to know the character of the young woman, know the character of the young man. So you, you, you're exploring. And that is why physical intimacy stop. when When you bring nakedness of your body, you stop exposing your heart. And it's weird because out there in the world, the first thing they do usually, first night, second night, third night, they expose their body. But right away, the search to understand the inside of the person stops. So that makes shallow, superficial relationship. Because you don't know the person inside. Courtship, when, uh, when each of them are in the right place and they talk. And they talk. And they talk about many subjects. And they exchange. And it's, it is courtship. Healthy, holy courtship. It is so fun. You get to know, and you you want to know what the other person is thinking and how they view life, and you got and you so many things to talk about, and it's so fun. I gotta skip. Just give you an example of Rebecca Isaac love story. Some of the characteristics. It's really neat. But first of all, the relationship was inspired by God. Secondly. The parents and family are involved on both sides. You remember? The parents asked Rebecca, will you go? They're talking. They have a family reunion. They have a family caucus. They're talking. Okay, Eliezer's there, and what are you doing? And they talk. She's with her parents. They're talking about. And on the other side, it's the the father who sent the servant. And so on both sides, parents are involved. And then... The choice of the wife is not made among Canaanites. Especially he sent Eliezer back, and it's the type of marrying a Christian. So not, not somebody from the world. Also, this is a process of waiting on God until he put it together. Eliezer waited. He said, Lord, the right one is going to do this, 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 and that. And he's waiting. He's not rushing. He, he waits because God, God has some pieces of the puzzle in his hand going to bring it together. The servant calls on God for help and confirmation of the right one. The servant tested the character of Rebecca. I'm told that, you know, to feed uh, camels, it, it was a lot of water. It was not just a simple task. It was a hard one. But he says, the one is going to go the harder way. She's the one. She's built right. And this leads to a covenant for a lifetime together. And the story, the relationship involved a servant of the Lord. Eliezer. So this is good good thought. And then? Quick point. That's another uh, Rachel and, and Jacob. I don't have time. Is engagement irreversible? If you promise to marry someone, can it be undo? And yes, it is irreversible. It's a promise. Engagement is not about giving a ring and having a nice romantic time. Because out there in the world, you know, the invited girl at the restaurant, it's giving a ring is almost like giving flowers. It's super romantic. It's like, oh, he gave me a ring. It was such a nice night, and this and that. It was not a promise. Actually, we have a situation back home, you know. The guy was engaged in the world, but he, he didn't never promise to marry her. It was just a thing to do. What marries you is the promise. The pastor's not marrying you. The judge, the judge of peace is not marrying you. The papers you sign with the government, that's not what marries you. It's your promise. The ring, doesn't, the ring is just a token that you made a promise. Because it's a vow, and the Bible says, "When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord, thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep, keep and perform." A vow is really important, and even for God, God sees you married when you make a vow. The prophet, says, he's asked the question and answer, he says, the prophet says, your vow is sacred. That's what marries you anyhow. There's not, no preacher can marry you, no magistrate, nor nothing else. It's your own vow to God and to this man when you promised you are married. And little lady, if you promise to marry that boy, you're obligated to do it. If you marry another after that obligation, you will from now on anyhow, you'll be living in adultery. And the same thing to a boy promising to marry a woman. Don't you make your vow to anybody, lest you mean to stick with it. Remember, there's the Bible. Joseph promised to marry Mary, and God said that they was married. Because when the angel spoke to Joseph, he said, marry thy wife. They were not married yet. They were just engaged. But in God's eyes, Mary was already his wife. Well, then, then we're allowed to go into intimacy. No, you are allowed to go after the wedding is done. But spiritually, there's been a covenant. So we, we have to be careful for what we say. And don't make super big declaration just for the feeling of looking. Well, I wanted her to understand I'm serious. Don't overshoot this. Stay sober. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I have to skip a lot, but I think you get the thought. There's a lot to think about. A lot to meditate upon. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for biblical principles, Lord. And I think there's a great blessing attached. And these are not laws. They are principles. They are a thing we aim at. Because we want to be blessed. We want to prosper. And we, want to, we don't want to enter into toxic relationship. And most advice tonight is to save us and protect us from the wrong ones. The wrong boy, the wrong girl, or the wrong the The, the, the wrong season. If you're young tonight, you can say, Lord, I'll have plenty of time later. Show me what you have for me now. Let me enjoy the season I'm in now. I don't want to lust, Lord, for the next season. I want to enjoy my time of singleness. What should I do, Lord? You want me to prepare? How do we prepare, Lord? Reveal it to me. Lord, I pray, pray, Lord, for these young people. You've chosen them. You've chosen them tonight to hear this. You gave them a, a church. You gave them the word. You gave them Christian families. May you bless them. May you keep them. I put their life, Lord, into your care tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Brother Ed. Maybe you can stand up, change position. I'll give the service to the my brother Ed. God bless you. You've been you've been really nice. You've listened. You've enjoyed. I could hear you. I've enjoyed myself tonight. It's been a blessing to share the word with you. God bless you. Amen. I may
2: appreciate that. Give our brother a hand. appreciate our brother Steve being so transparent, and I, I believe he, he can understand the battle that many of us go through, and uh, I, I, sometimes when we get on a subject like this, our mind automatically goes to, oh, it's what I can't do, it's what I have to do, and, and rather than turning it the other way. This is the most joyful season you're in. It's the season you're in right now. And when you get to the next stage, that'll be joyful. Oh, wasn't that good? Oh my, I, I, I wish I would have known some of these things. Uh, I, I remember a brother, years ago, Brother Dan Williams, he preached a service. If only I would have known today, or if only I would have known then what I know today. And he, he took, he said, if only I would have known my wife was going to crash the car before I took the insurance off. <laughs> if only I would have known when I was playing kick the can that the can was full of concrete. See, there's lessons to be learned in life. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I'm glad that God has put people before us that have gone through things that understand it and then He allowed him to to go into a level that he can bring it to us. Friends, this is the goodness of God to us. This is the goodness of God. How many heard something that helped them tonight? I raised my hands. There's something that I heard that helped me. And I, I believe as youth, sometimes we... We look at the outward, the rules, the regulations, but inside our spirit, our heart goes through all kinds of things that are different. And then that's what the, the there's a term they use. It's called cognitive dissonance, yeah. and it is when you know you have to do this, but you don't see your, your there's your heart is going in a different direction. Yeah. And really, we need to bring the two together. And so we thank God for that. And and uh I, I I just so appreciate it. I'm just speaking for a moment. We're gonna sing a song or two and we're gonna have a little fellowship, but I I, I remember I, I I took architecture and I remember how even when I studied architecture, they would talk about under the man anointing, and, and that's when music flourished, and that's when when all of these other things happened. So but it was all of these things that happened on the earth, like music and, and art and, and all those things, was a reflection of a spiritual anointing. Yeah. But the same thing happened. And I remember, and, and when Brother Steve brought in dating, it just came to me, because dating is, is a different experience. And I always, I, I actually brought this out years ago, and I never understood it fully till today. There's a difference between courtship and dating. And, I, and, I, and I, to me, God just opened that up. But I brought out something years ago, and I said, it used to be in design, and it kind of stopped in the 1950s, when you designed a home, you had a room that was called a parlor. And the parlor was the room where a young man would come into a home with the parents there, and it was a room where he could begin to understand and meet the girl and talk. So it was a room set aside. Homes don't have parlors anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. It's all secret places. It's places you can hide. But the parlor was an open place that everybody could connect. Oh, friends, if we could see the pressures that are on us and that it affects every part of society. I I, I, I said thank God for this message. Amen. Brother, brother. But, you know, and, and some people, you know, they, I, I watched some of you laugh, some of you shook your heads, and, and some of you just kind of are very stoic, because, you know, no, I'm, I'm Elohim. I'm the self-existing one. I'll never, I'll never get married, you know, just, you're, you're being, you think you're so spiritual. You're not spiritual. You're a human being. You wait till the right one comes along, and all thoughts of Elohim disappear. The, you will not be the self-existing one anymore. Now you're some of you are just there, okay. <laughs> All right, how many love the Lord? Oh, praise God! Well, let's let's sing a chorus or two. Uh, my what are we gonna sing? Let's sing This Is My Desire. This is my desire.
0: <clears throat> this is my desire to honor. So my...